Hi, and welcome back to the Connect 2 podcast. This is episode 47 of season two, our 99th episode overall. My name is Jeff Cullen. I'm Mark Hughes, and we've had a bit of a break. We've been gone for four weeks. Three weeks, four weeks, something like that. Yeah. Uh, it's been, a, were, been you, a while. You were a traveling. I was a traveling man. Yeah. Yeah, going to reaches far. Went to Portugal <laughs> and uh, and the island of, the tiny island of Madeira off the coast of Africa. Um, so if you're new to the channel, rate, review, and subscribe, particularly in iTunes. Um, yeah. So new episode. Woohoo! There you go. This is our election episode. Uh-oh. As, as, we, uh, as we tape this, uh, or tape it. You don't actually tape anything anymore. But as we record this. As we this, record this. It is, um, uh, our election is tomorrow. Yes. And this will drop the day after. I'm pretty the nervous election about in it. Alberta. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, but I'd rather today- have an erection than an election at this point. <laughs> Erections are always a lot more exciting than an election. We might have to bleep that out. Well, it depends what happens with the. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose right? it happens with both, right? Depends what happens after yeah, you get exactly. one. Well, this show may be outlawed after Tuesday if things don't go the way we want. Well, it's good to see you, Mark. Okay, I mean, it has been a couple weeks. So, so I, yeah. sorry, I was just I was just pouring the coffee, yep. which today's coffee. Our, back to our ritual. Back to our ritual, which is uh, so. This coffee is from Toronto. Okay, from a coffee a company called Portfolio Coffee. It's called okay. Rosé, and it Ooh. has tasting notes of cherry, brown sugar, and dark chocolate. Uh, Ooh, that is. Nice cup of joe. It is a very good cup of joe. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, what is this? From Brazil. So, it, uh, and the process was anaerobic natural. You know, at one point in time, I knew what all these processes were. <laughs> anyway, uh, any dad jokes today? No, but I, I have a, a narrative that explains a little bit of a cynicism. So, I, I follow a, uh, a Facebook page called America's slow decline into idiocy not that we necessarily should feel smug in canada but here's an exchange someone reports it goes like this so i'm at walmart scanning and bagging my almost 300 dollars worth of groceries while the employee who wants 15 bucks an hour monitors and then this happened her why are you double bagging all your groceries excuse me you're wasting our bags I said, if you don't like the way I'm bagging the groceries, feel free to come over here and bag them yourself. That's not my job. Okay, then. Well, I will bag my groceries how I please, if that's all right with you. Why are you using two bags? Because the bags are weak, and I don't want the handles to break or the bottoms to rip out. Well, that's because you're putting too much stuff in the bag. If you took half the stuff out and put it in a different bag, then you would need the double bag. Ten seconds of me just staring at her. So you want me to split these items in half and put the half of them in a different bag so that I don't have to double bag. Exactly. But I would still be using two bags to hold the same number of items. No, because you wouldn't be double bagging. Me pressing two fingers to my left eye in an attempt to stop it from twitching. Okay, so here I have a jug of milk and a bottle of juice double bagged. If I take the milk out and remove the double bagging and just put the milk in the single bag and the juice in that other bag, I'm still using two bags for these two items. No, because you're not double bagging. It's not the same number of bags. Me looking around at about 10 other customers who at this point are enjoying the show. 
sigh. Is this like that common math core stuff that I've been hearing about? She responds, never mind, you just don't get it. And with that, she went back to her little podium so she could continue texting or playing games on her phone or whatever it was she was doing before she decided to come over and critique my bagging skills. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, <laughs> well, and I'm thinking, I'm wondering if we, you know, wondering out loud, I think we could probably drop this before the election. Oh. And then. Uh, and Tomorrow. Then, yeah. Let's Ooh. do that. All right. And interfere with the election. There you go. Because <laughs> um, yeah, why not? Our reach. Is Our reach is so profound. Such... So what do you call a reluctant potato? Something spud? A, he a hesitator. <laughs> um, how do you throw a space party? Uh, I don't know. Something... You, you plan it. <laughs> I got two more. How is Roman Rome split in two <laughs> with a pair of Caesars? <laughs> Jeez, that's a good historical joke. <laughs> and uh, when you die, what is the last part of your body to stop working? Your your tax account. No, your pupils they dilate. <laughs> of course. Bum, bum, bum. Right. Okay. There you I go. thought you were uh, the old. Uh, what's the last thing that goes through a bug's mind when it's it hits there, the windshield? It's yeah, it's yeah, it's ass. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So we're talking politics. We're talking. Uh, uh, well, so first thing is, what did you learn this week? Oh, what did I learn this week? Uh well, weeks. You Oof. got weeks. You got well, I learned weeks. a couple things. Weeks. Um, but I forgot most of them already because that's kind of how I, I, I like to operate. I learned about Super El Nino. Oh. And it's not good. <laughs> of course. So so apparently uh, we've just coming out of a La Nina. It wasn't a super La Nina. It was a regular La Nina. And they are predicting there's a high probability, over 90% probability, that we are going to be experiencing a super El Nino uh, for about the next three years. Result being Canada will be hit probably hardest. Um, so there's going to be a lot of rain and, and colder weathers in the Southern U S and then everything past about midway and up, including us is going to be experiencing significantly higher temperatures. Okay. Um, likely above the 1.5. Um, theoretical. Theoretical. Temporarily, well, they hope, right? I mean, we've been edging towards that. So we're, we're looking at three years of shitty skiing conditions, drought, uh, more fires. And um, now, you know, is it related to climate change? Of course, of course, it's related to climate change. Is this the first time it's ever happened? No. But like so many things are saying, you know, the, 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 uh, the frequency of these, right? Of we these. get an El Nino every couple of years, you know, on a cycle. But this one is purportedly going to be um particularly powerful and lasts about three seasons. So oh, wow. Yeah. That's not good. No. Um that is not good. So this is a doom and gloom episode. Um <laughs> well you know in keeping with the election theme. So um so uh, as we talked briefly about so I went to, to Portugal. Yes. And in Portugal one of the things that I did that I never thought I would do is I went uh scuba diving. Hey, hey. So I went scuba diving and the thing I learned was so open ocean or yeah, it was open ocean. 
uh, was in a bay, so it was kind of sheltered. And it was yep. one of these uh, try scuba diving things. So this wasn't like towards a certification. Or no, anything. no, no. So you're we'll basically see. there with instructors. They're yeah. helping you out and controlling everything. And um, the thing that was really interesting about it was, I mean, you get into water. <laughs> so there was only two of us that were doing this with three instructors. Was it you and your brother? No, my brother didn't go to Madeira, so he, this mm. was this was in Madeira. Mm, mm, mm. Um, the water is still a bit cold, so we were wearing wetsuits. Yep. Uh, but um, this other woman, she's like, so she decided to go scuba diving, and um, she was afraid of water and couldn't really swim. <laughs> this is a bit of a, seems like a logical seems like a, sport to try. She was trying to face her fears. Okay. But anyway, uh, I guess in general, when people go in and they start having to breathe through the mouthpiece, yep. they kind of, have you ever done scuba diving? I did scuba diving in the Indian ocean of all places. Oh, wow. Yeah. So a lot of people get freaked out by having to breathe through the regulator. Yep. Um, not an issue for me. I was just like, yeah, I'm breathing. It's good. <sighs> yeah. It's easy. You know, once you get a rhythm, you're, yeah, you're okay. It's no problem. Yeah. And, um, I, I just, I was just breathing. It was, yeah. it was fine. So, I mean, I get into water, the person says, okay, now you need you to be calm. I'm calm. No, no, I really need so, you no, to be calm. No, I need you to be really to get calm. I am like, calm. That doesn't really get much more calm than this. I'm kind of, I was pretty chill. I was, I was, here, I, you know, I'm here so I don't get fined. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so your, your insistence that I be calm is beginning to yes. ruin my calm. <laughs> Should I not be calm? Ironically. Um, anyway, so, um, but one of the things is as you go down, you need to uh, repressurize your ears. That's quite it. Sure. The thing that shocked me was how quickly the pressure on your ears becomes a little too much. Yes. Like, uh, like, especially if you're not like, if you've had any kind of ear situation, well, I think it would be trained for it. I think it, it would yeah. be bad. I, and I'm used to going on a plane or right. where, or going, you know, driving in the mountains where your ears pop, but they pop yeah. kind of one way, not really the other way. Right. And so, so I had a hard go down time. to hundred feet or whatever it's it's well, I, quite something we went down about 10 meters so uh, about 30 feet 30 yeah feet. So, so that's significant so it, was, it was significant but it was like what surprised me was how quickly it becomes an issue like right probably within the first six feet maybe yeah. nine feet if you don't or three meters if you don't adjust if you don't adjust it was definitely uh yeah definitely and then then you start having the problem going the other way Right. right. So, uh, although going up was easier than going yeah. down. Now, at sure. 10 minutes, uh, at 10 meters, did you have to pause? Well, we only went to 10 meters. So right. We, we... So, that's probably not deep enough where you need to do decompression stops no, on no. the way back. But you need right? to be, you need to come up slow, but you can't, uh, but you didn't need to do like a decompression. Yeah. 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 We didn't go very deep either. It was similar, actually, where we went to a resort in Kenya. Oh, yeah. And, uh, they did scuba diving and it was like, like, so in North America, they take that stuff really seriously. Yeah. Right. In Kenya, it was like, we had a German instructor, like an hour in the pool and then let's go to the open ocean. <laughs> it's like, okay. Well, we, 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 we had no time in the pool. We went, what could go wrong? We went straight into the ocean. <laughs> but, but I, again, I had, uh, I had, uh, there were three instructors and uh, one guy was basically videotaping it and he was there in case something went nice. wrong. And yeah. then each of us had one. So yeah. it was really good. It was fun, eh? It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I learned, which uh, surprised me, was uh, have you ever seen these uh, uh, TikToks or reels or whatever from the deep fake Tom Cruise? 
Uh, I think I have. Yes. So there's this guy. His name is. Oh yes, yes, I have seen him. Yeah. He's he's uh, he's, he's, he's quite an interesting guy. His name. What is his name again? His name is. I don't want this to turn on. It's turning on. Of course it is. His name is um, Miles Fisher. Okay. So Miles Fisher, I saw a really interesting art, uh, interview with him because he is a super interesting guy. Oh, yeah. So he, um, he used to be an actor. Okay. Because he actually does kind of look like Dom, Tom Cruise, like in, in normal. Right. Normal terms. And his problem that he had is he hated the fact that everybody said he was like the poor man's Tom Cruise. Ooh, boy, that so would be bad. He ended up uh, getting roles. He said, do you want this guy or the guy that looks like Tom Cruise? <laughs> <laughs> so he ended up not really pursuing it that much. Um, but he ended up making little videos and having fun with stuff. Right. Uh, and then he connected with this uh, influencer um who um uh they were they were making coffee she he basically started a coffee company that basically did kind of white labeling where you basically you you, you provide your coffee to somebody else so that they can put their brand okay on. sure and they connected with this influencer and she put her brand on and it exploded like they did it's like coffee went crazy okay her social media reach and his coffee that was quite good did really well together and they did exceptionally well. Good. Okay. Nice story so far. So that's, um, so, and then through this coffee thing, he ended up meeting this guy and this guy, uh, was a software developer and he was working. This is in early stages of AI. Okay. And so like three years ago, <laughs> But given, the, given the pace of development, but right? he, he, he connected with, um, yeah. uh, and I may have got some of the details, not exactly correct, but this, that's the general gist. He met with this guy. This guy said, well, you know, I can, you know, I can, uh, if you have a, a short video, I can, I can put deep fake on top of it. Right. Like, and he said, I could do it for you and be ready in a day. I think. Wow. And he said, sure, let's try it. And so we did. And he put a Tom Cruise in and, at the time, it was kind of clunky compared to what it is, but it sounded really interesting. So they kind of did more. They, they started. So the so the, the Miles Fisher actually decided to invest in the company that this guy was doing for AI, and they got better and better at it. And then in 2020, uh, he did uh, during the presidential campaign. He released a video. Now part of it was. Yeah, it's, part of it was their connection with this influencer. Okay. Her name is Catherine something or other. <clears throat> and um, uh, so they did a video, a short little video for fun, because this is one of the things that Miles Fisher did. He, he did little videos, like promotional videos sure. and music videos and all that stuff. And uh, that they did a Tom Cruise for president for 2020 okay. video. So it's a, it's, it's a spoof. And they use the deep fake technology to kind of make Miles, who kind of already looks like right. Tom so Cruise. he was sort of helping. The... Yeah, and so and in and one of the things that Tom Cruise is known for is running, like he runs in all his movies. Yes, and and they basically had him running, and I think by then they'd already done some of the deep fake stuff and Catherine had, the the influencer had suggested that they try TikTok, and the TikTok stuff just 
blew up. They just tried little things. Okay. And like he just set up an account. He didn't even remember his password. He did dropped one of the the Tom Cruise deep fakes and right. it had gotten five million views and he couldn't even remember how to log back onto the TikTok. And he was freaking out because he was going like somebody's gonna get this taken down. This is gonna be a problem. But anyway, so this advanced to this. 2020 running because tom cruise is known for running so they have the whole video uh and i'll, I'll try and find a link to yeah. the video for the facebook is basically tom cruise running during the entire commercial like i mean it, it, it's a spoof it's tom cruise is sure. running for 2020 right 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 and uh and it even has like f-14 jets in the background and the, the whole thing and uh but Miles is inc incredibly uh, respectful of Tom Cruise. He's basically said, like, you know, I really like the guy. I grew up loving all his movies. Tom Cruise is a movie star who has never appeared on a TV show, ever. Oh, interesting. Right? He has never. Well, given... other than the infamous Oprah. Well, but jumping that, on the couch. But, but he's never like acted, not like in, a acted in a yeah. TV show. Yeah. He's also um, never endorsed anything. He's never used his name to endorse anything. Right. Um, so it's quite interesting. Except for Scientology, I guess. Well, it's true, but I don't know that that's the same kind of endorsement. But the other thing that's uh, really interesting is, so Miles is quite respectful of him. He says, I've never done anything to demean or to make fun of right. Tom Cruise. And he says the other thing is, is that I like those South Park guys. Well, and <laughs> early on, because of the explosion of um, explosion of this TikTok stuff with yeah. Tom Cruise, he uh, he said, like, like he reached out to Tom Cruise's people and said, you know, if you want the passcode to the account, you can have the account, you can do whatever you want, like. You know, and wow. they, they they basically never responded. So they're clearly aware. Stand up guy. But they're not they're not uh because he's you know, he's really uh he's it's quite interesting to see. He's very ethical in the approach. Sure. He, kind of in a way that you don't see other people. So I highly recommend and I'll link the podcast because these guys interview him and it's like a, an hour, hour and a half, but I was captivated the whole time. He's a very interesting guy and which is well beyond the, I think his hashtag is Deep Tom Cruise. Right? Okay, it's, yeah. Uh, but he basically does the deep fake, right? And um, they've done it really well. Interesting. And uh, yeah. it's kind of progressed. And he's he's got all kinds of other stuff. But he is very thoughtful about how AI should work with respect to deep fakes and sure. and where it's good and where it's not. So it, yeah, it's a super interesting yeah. listen to a, for a guy who's like a poor man's Tom Cruise. There you go. Anyway, so there you go. That's <laughs> so contrast more. that to uh, Tom Segura and, and Christina B who on their uh, Christina your, B or Samantha B? Christina P. She's oh, uh, Christina P. I can't remember. Her. It's a Polish name. She just goes with the letter P. Okay. They're married, right? So, oh, okay. uh, and they do a podcast called Your Mother's Basement. And yeah. they have been screwing with, with uh, Garth Brooks for a lot of years. Really? Garth Brooks, I don't know if Garth Brooks is a good guy or not. Apparently, he's that, you know, I, I think he is. I mean, but he's very awkward in social media. Okay. And so they started this years ago, basically co opting his whatever social media platform and accusing him of being a serial killer and, and so now all these people, whenever Tom Cruise posts something, not Tom Cruise, uh, um, Garth Brooks, 
all of these followers will will put these kind of memes and and the same you know where are the bodies and it's just and and apparently it's it's quite vexing to garth brooks because he's like man i'm just trying to do a social media thing here right in that kind of weird earnest country boy bumpkin you know super innocent and I'm, they I'm are here so don't get fine relentlessly <laughs> on him yeah, okay. so not respectful at all funny yeah but not respectful interesting yes <laughs> my comments about i'm just here so don't get fined is all related to a marshawn lynch thing i remember this guy now he's he, uh, he, running he back for this seattle yeah, i think he wore his sunglasses that's right ball cap and he would, looking totally disinterested because he, he was because well he, protest. he was protesting the need to do these post-game interviews that right. he didn't actually want to do um because he hated the media um and uh <sighs> So he just basically showed up and answered the same, all questions, regardless of the questions, with the same answer. You know who could have taken a page from that book? Danielle Smith. Smith. (laughs) (laughs) Moving into our theme. Which is our theme, which is the election in Alberta, 2023. So I think, let's keep it mysterious. I I do not want to necessarily, I'm trying to to run a business here. I don't necessarily want to take a position. Okay. Let's talk more about, the process, like you said, decision-making process in modern-day politics. Yeah, well, can we, and, can we and, approach it from that perspective? Absolutely, yeah. and I will make a prediction because I don't care so much. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I predict, you know, I can get a little carried away. <laughs> I predict uh, that uh, Rachel Notley will not win the election, um, but I also predict that she may win the popular vote. Right. And I think Daniel Smith will not do well in any of the urban centers. Right. And, um, but I think she still may pull it out because there has been a, a, you know, gerrymandering to some degree of the election boundaries in, in Canada, in Alberta, not nearly as bad as um, the, some U S places in the U S right. But where um, there's a disproportionate representation for rural Alberta Right. Compared to urban. So an urban vote is not as powerful as a rural vote. Yes. So um, so two things. So this is, in, this is entirely relevant um, because uh, I went and saw a nerd night. Have you ever seen, have you ever heard You know, of? I've never been to one we wanted to. There was, so there was, so there's this thing called nerd night and it's all over the place. And basically people give talks on things that they're passionate about. Right. Um, I went to one last week and um, I was still a little jet lagged. It was okay. the day after I returned from about 20 hours of traveling to get home. And um, the, the thing that was really interesting about it was one of these guys was he talked about different electoral systems. Okay. So we talked about, um, so they talk about this first past the post, which is our electoral system, right. which is our relevant is relevant to a thing in Britain that actually doesn't have any relevance to what we do, but, but basically it's called a plurality vote. So basically sure. you're trying to get the most votes period. Um, if you have only two candidates, one will then likely get the majority and the other one won't. As soon as you start having three candidates, it, it becomes less and less likely that all of them are, that any of them are going to get the majority. Right. Because all of a sudden now you have this, 
you know, and, and in Portugal, they have like 10 or 12 parties. So they right. often have these fragmented. But, like, but, yeah. but what he did was he compared all these other types of electoral. So everybody says, we need to fix the election system. We need to, 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 to go to a different system. And the, the end result, and he did this in detail. He went through all these different types of election things and Basically, there are certain weaknesses and strengths okay. related to each of them. But sure. in the end, all of them fail at some aspect. Right. So if you have where you have ranked choices, then there's different ways you can rank the choices. Mm -hmm. And you can have so you can have a, a, a circumstance where um, it puts in power the people that are fringe. It could be that puts in it makes everybody go to the center where you're basically getting a, a generic vanilla candidate will always be the one to win you can also have you can have all kinds of things so the end result is there is no single way for there to be a good electoral system so that you kind of make it completely fair in all respects so either you have my majority rule you have majority dilution of, of okay. opinion yeah so you can't get kind of more progressive voices uh or or right-wing voices um being heard you can have you can have there are problems with almost every single model that, that that's out there right now interesting so um even though there's problems with first past the post it's just one model there are other models that 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 purport to solve some of the issues but right. they create new ones yeah. so not un, untypical of many things in in life there is no magic bullet everything has its pluses or minuses so yeah uh i was just reminding myself who hated democracy plato was not a big fan of democracy um for the reason that i think is predominantly on my mind which is it assumes that people are informed paying attention know what the hell's going on and you know what is it, 2,500, 3,000 years ago, presumably at the time of Plato, the, the, you know, things were complex, but not as complex as they are today. So imagining, you know, the complexity today. So I heard, I should say I read, so a lot of, a lot of members of the previous conservative government have been talking about lending their vote to, to, to the NDP. Right? So, so if you're not in Alberta, the two things you need to know is basically we have basically two parties running right, right. now. There are some, and some fringy, some fringy yeah, yeah, parties yeah. running, but they really aren't going to amount to hell no. of beans. Um, there is the NDP, which is a progressive um, um well, I'd say they're kind of, they're slightly left of center in this. In, province. in our province, they're just slightly left of center. In yeah. other parts of the country, they're more left. More left, yeah. Exactly. Um, and 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 then we have the UCP, which was a was at one point in time a conglomeration of two parties: the Progressive Conservatives, which was a right of center party, and the Wild Rose Party, which was a quite right wing party. Yes, they blend together to form one. Right. And what's happened? is basically parts of the UCP have been taken over by some right-wing fringe elements. Absolutely. And take, the Take Back Alberta. The Take Back Alberta uh, has, has, has actively... Extremists. So similar to what's happening in the U.S., yeah. right? It's a small minority. Well, in the U.S., uh, it's kind of like you... 
you uh in order to get the 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 election or get to be a candidate or whatever you right. have to run on these crazy insane policies and then when you actually campaign you campaign on more centrist ones and what's happened is i think the assumption was that the people who are doing this insane policies knew better right and then um but now they've been mixed up with people that don't know better yeah exactly that's and right so you have people like marjorie taylor green who is really only interested in hearing herself on tv this is true she right. she's like yeah she's crazy she yeah bring, and, and what's her name bobert oh yes um because she's just like and she's bobert is Bo, both bobert and marjorie taylor green are not very bright. They're not very bright. No, in fact, a lot of the Republicans, and we have the same problem here. So, a lot of the people that were in the government, uh, that were which bright. has not been effective over the last little while, I think you could make that argument, are are not even going to run again. So, like they're saying, it's somewhat worrisome. Yeah, the only adults that, are, that are even leaving. the you know the the smart ones are are not going to run. But here's the thing. Um, so Plato's argument was, you know, people are. Theoretically, democracy is great. Same with economics. You know, economists assume people make rational choices, you know, that give them the best outcome, but we know they don't. And same thing with politics. And here was a firsthand experience I had. Like when you're relatively informed, and I think you and I and most of our circle are we're pretty informed people, right? You forget sometimes just how uninformed people are. So this is a really funny story. When you were away, you you missed the majority of the smoke. We had a ton of like it was oh, yeah. like worst place in the world, you know, in terms of air quality. Okay. Right, right. So I went to get gas at the Safeway. And you know me, I, I always like to chat with everybody. So a couple of weeks before it was really hot, and I mentioned to the attendant who I was an immigrant from India you know, like how hot it was. And he was like, oh, you know, in my country, it's it's like 45 degrees and everybody sleeps on the roofs. And we had this little exchange about how hot India is, right? We had, I think it was like 29 degrees. So 45 is, so I popped in in the, in the midst of the smoke, you know, and I said, uh, is it smoky in India too, right? And then he's like, no, no, it's not smoky in India. And then he goes, yes, the smoke is very bad. It, you know, it hurts my lungs. I'm like, okay, so he's aware of the smoke. And then he goes, where's all this smoke coming from? <laughs> and I was like, really? Blink, blink. Like, dude, like there's fires like all around Edmonton. And I'm thinking, here's a guy who works. I mean, I, I know newspapers are not popular anymore. He works at the Safeway gas bar. You know, there's the stack of the Edmonton sun or whatever. I haven't been following it, but I would bet you a million dollars that sometime during the smoke debacle there was probably a headline that said you know wildfires raging in alberta right and here's a guy who's like three feet away from the newspaper and honestly goes yeah where's all the smoke coming from and i'm like so i went home and i thought about that you know our expectation that people are aware informed understand is probably misplaced right well i think there's a lot of people that um don't have patience for news they like they're just not interested because it's either always uh it have, holds no relevance for them right. or it uh it uh distracts them from you know the things that they need to worry about i need to worry about how i'm gonna make my car payment and my rent this month and how much food and whether my kid's getting to soccer and all of these kind of right 
everyday things and i'm more worried about planting my garden yeah. like it's all of that kind of stuff. which brings me back to this idea that you have some of these previous conservatives who are talking trying to convince people lend your vote to the other party this time and there was this article that talked about how a lot of people will say how uncomfortable they are with that idea because they always voted for a certain party. And yep. it was like, my, my parents voted for this party. My grandparents. It's called generation, again, generational voting. Yeah, and I, and I, I went home and I thought, around. what about, like, is there not a more stark representation of I just have given up, right? Because, and I tend to rant sometimes, you know, uh, either by myself or <laughs> within the context of my family. And I'm thinking, your grandparents are dead, man. Like, and you don't even know if they weren't alive today, if they would you know, still be if voting. they would still be, I mean, what an abdication of any kind of responsibility for anything. But that got me thinking about why does that happen? Why does that happen with religion? Why does that happen? And I've been reading this book, How to Talk to a Science Denier, and I, I'm just about a third of the way through it. But the author who's a philosopher, um, uh, whose whose expertise is in around philosophy of science has been talking about social identity issues where he says the last chapter I read, he goes like facts do not matter nearly as much to people as identity. And in fact, interestingly enough, he's making the argument that because again, our tendency can sometimes be quite judgy and you're like, these people are stupid. And he's like, no, even the flat earthers, they're not stupid. And in fact, if they're presented with, something that is not tied to their identity. They're quite capable of, of doing rational decision-making, but when it becomes one of these areas where they have somehow invested their identity, whether it be a political party, they actually lose that cognitive ability. Like they, they almost become unable to absorb the data and the facts. And I was like, that's fascinating and really problematic. <laughs> But well, it's it's like, so I go back to the this thing where my wife uh, and I, and I probably mentioned this before about cheering for the laundry. So uh, so when you have sports teams, so suppose you have Calgary right. and Edmonton sports sure. teams, uh, you'll have uh, the Edmonton sporting team and the Calgary sporting team. It doesn't really matter what sport it is, um, and uh, you know you have a player, maybe five players on your team, and. Calgary will have five players on their team yep. and they're the best players in the world when they're on your team. Exactly. If they change teams, like if one player changes teams and maybe goes to Calgary and then switches, which actually happened previously. Oh, it happens all the time. No, but yeah. between the two rivals. Right. Right. Sure. Now that player that's on the other team is terrible, even though he was great when he was yours and vice versa. Yeah. And, um, and then you realize that it doesn't actually matter how many players switch. So you're not real. And it could be the coach. It could be the general manager. Right. So you're not cheering for the general manager. You're not cheering for the coach. You're not cheering <laughs> for the individual players. You're not even cheering for a group of players. So what is it that you're cheering for? Right. It's just the laundry. Exactly. Because the only thing that doesn't change is the laundry and you're always cheering <laughs> for that laundry Hang on a second, and yeah. in the states i think you're seeing that play out a ton with politics where people are cheering oh, for absolutely. the laundry they're yeah. team blue or team red which is actually the opposite colors from what it is in canada 
So blue is the Democrats and red is the Republicans. And in uh, Canada, uh, red is liberals and blue is conservatives. But, right. Uh, and in Alberta, it's orange and blue. But, um, but the reality is people identify with that particular group. Now, typically with politics, it's often some sort of like-mindedness right. associated with that people that support that political party. Right. But, well, but that's not even... And populism has really played, in. played into that. Yeah. I was going to say, is this the theme, the, the theme of Theseus? <laughs> In other words, if you know the ship of Theseus, right? No, I don't. Tell me. Okay. So this is a philosophical uh, uh, exercise. It was actually, they, they did this in WandaVision. Okay. Uh, so the idea is, this comes from ancient, it's an ancient thought experiment. Okay. So let's say you have a wooden ship and, you know, the ship starts to, to wear out and, and age. Yeah. And then over time, you begin to replace all of the elements of the boat, like the planks, the boards, right? But instead of getting rid of them, you put them aside and you, re you rebuild um, the old ship, right? right? Now you have two ships and the idea of philosophy, which is the, which is the original ship? Which right. is the ship? Is it the, is it the one that's been rebuilt? Or is it the one that is the original, right? And really, it's just the parts, right? Yeah, yeah. If you get rid of the parts, it's obviously like, well, this is still the ship, but it's really not because like there's nothing left of the original ship. Like every part's been replaced. When you keep them and assemble them and then you are faced with this physical reality of two ships. So my idea here is like, if you take all the players off the team and put all new players, is it still the same th team? Exactly. Right? It's not. That's exactly right? right. It's completely not the same team. The only thing that remains is, is the laundry. Yeah, it's the laundry. <laughs> it's exactly. That's exactly it. And it's become highly problematic because I mean, going, you know, we were talking a little bit before the episode that the issue is that people are m more often making decisions based on identity yes. or the laundry than on a rational policy, policy uh, interpretation. So, you know, people say, oh, if only Rachel Notley had a better policy on blah, blah, blah. Right. Right. Then she would clearly win. Yeah. Have, I'm you, going read, like, have you read yeah, the policy? Yeah. Well, first of all, have you read the policy? Second of all, uh, people aren't making these decisions based on nuanced policy. Like, like it's important. Right. Policy is really important. And one of the things that's really obvious from the UCP is they don't have a lot of policy on anything. No. Right. They're, they're just similar to the GOP down in in the U.S. They are right? against a lot of stuff. Yep. They're not really for anything. No. And, um, and, um, so they don't have strong policy, anything, right. They're just saying, trust us because we're right wing. I mean, exactly. Really? That, I mean, that, that sounds, that sounds overly naive, but really that's kind of, they, you know, yep. in, in, in past lives, conservatism meant fiscal responsibility, right. socially conservative, um, you know, not a big change, small government, small government yep. low taxes, all that kind of stuff. That's not really what these guys are all about. No. And, um, and but so, the problem is you've got this small number of radicals, right? Yeah. And some of them are religiously driven and some of them are corporate capture, right? And these two elements come together because the, it makes sense. Yep. And then you got a whole whack of the people, like my buddy, who was like, Where are these, where's all the smoke coming from, right? Who are not informed and yet 
get misinformation. It's a lot easier. And again, this goes back to Plato, the, the candy seller versus the doctor, right? Running for, for leadership. The doctor's telling people, you have to eat your vegetables, you have to exercise, you know? And people are like, yeah. And then the other guy comes like, vote for me and I'll, I'll give I you all candy, it. right? Yeah. Candy, candy. And they go like, oh, candy, 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 right? Yeah, exactly. And meanwhile, the whole thing goes on the toilet because you can't run a system on candy. No. Right? So I got the solution though. Oh, I'm, I, I'm all here. Yeah. So I saw a, uh, a, he was a French philosopher. Okay. Uh, I can't remember his name. It was just a YouTube video or something. And he, he was suggesting that in the future with AI, we could create a whole new democratic model. Because uh, first he said, well, what if we voted on every single issue, right? What if it was a referendum on every single issue? Then he goes, of course, that's impossible. All you'd be doing is voting on stuff all day, every day, right? But he goes, ah, but with AI, what you could possibly do is you would create a a detailed pro pro profile. Like it a, would be based like an on- agent, Like an agent. Yeah, but it would be based on values, right? So it would be disassociated from, from um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, issues emotions, emotions. Or, or at the beginning it would be disassociated from any specific issue, but ask you a lot of questions about what you value and belief system and you know, all of that stuff. Right. So it might be like a hundred questions or, or whatever. <laughs> oh my God. It would create this digital agent that was representative of your value set. And then it would vote on every single issue for you. Right. It would represent your vote. Now, like he was saying, you could always go in and, and, if you were concerned, you could review its voting record and make tweaks. And he goes like, ah, the average person would probably not. Right. But it was this idea of that, that might be a way to actually get to something more representative of what people really care about. Mm -hmm. Because this idea, we talked about the definition of stupidity where people will vote or they will take actions against their own best interests. Right. If it's like, and this is the, the essence of owning the libs, or I guess owning the right, but that typically doesn't flow that way, right? But people who are like, I don't care if this, that, or the other thing, you know, but as long as, as, long as you own the stick lid. it to those people, right? It's like, that's brilliant, right? So you're going to eliminate food stamps or whatever it is because you hate those people and now suddenly you don't have food stamps. <laughs> well done. Well done. Brilliant, exactly. right? Exactly. So his idea was if you had this AI agent you know, that understood your value set, what you really care about at the end of the day, which honestly, I think for most people, if you really boiled it down, wouldn't be that far apart, right? Remember Sting's old song about during the Cold War? You know, the Russians love their children too. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. If you could really boil down to what people really care about, I bet you the the overlap would be a lot bigger than people think. You'd be like, oh, you like family? Yeah. We like family. Oh, you like turkey at Christmas? Sure do. We like turkey at Christmas too. Hey! <laughs> well, I find that right? really interesting because, uh, so I heard uh, another podcast okay. that has a ton of relevance to this. Um, and we'll discuss this on our next episode okay, sounds because good. I want to talk about it in detail because I think post-apocalyptic episode. It's all about AI <laughs> and it's it's about where AI is potentially going. Okay. And um, but we'll talk about it. But I want to get more more background before before we talk about. It. But it is it is along those lines that you're okay. talking about, except more. 
Oh, wow. And, uh, and it is basically uh, where, where things are going potentially with AI, where the risks are. And um, they have this thing called the, the P ratio, which is the probability of you think that AI will doom the planning and, uh, and what your percentage is and why. And it's super interesting. Awesome. But we'll, uh, we'll get into that uh, in our next Some other episode. Time. Okay, yeah. So, um, so just to kind of tie a bow on yeah. where we're at, um, our elections <laughs> system in Alberta is kind of screwed. Um, <laughs> the first past the post. Not uniquely does, though. No, it's not uniquely. And, and I, so I made a prediction at the beginning of the episode. Yes. And I'm going to give you the reasoning okay. behind it, behind why my prediction is what it is. Okay. Now I, I won't. I won't pretend that I'm not in favor of um, the NDP and and Rachel Notley. She's actually a personal friend of mine, and I've known her for like 30 years. Um, she's very competent, um, but that's not why I think she. Uh, but I, th that's not informing my decision. Right. So, the yeah. the the time that the NDP got into power was when the right wing split their vote so there were two political parties on the right. right there was the progressive conservatives and the wild rose yep and that meant in close races the ndp was able to sneak mm. up the river mm -hmm. at, uh, mm -hmm. the middle and it, historically in the past we had the opposite problem where the left wing was being split between the ndp and like the liberals or the alberta party they would just scrape off enough yep. vote to try and prevent that and in general, if you look at historically votes in elections, there are very few elections where the number of um, MLAs between the winning party and the non-winning party is less than about 15. Mm. There's usually like a big swing because of how the proportionality is set up right. because of this plurality. So we have an election right now where you basically only have two parties. Yep. It is a popular vote. The NDP is only popular in urban centers and is seen as anti-rural. The UCP is seen as the opposite. Yep. We have a disproportionate um, uh, voting strength in rural ridings versus uh, urban ridings. Yeah, which is a huge problem. Which would be a huge Not just problem. here, but in a lot of places. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's not isolated to here. And it's not terrible. I mean, there are places in the U.S. where it's absolutely terrible. Yep. Um, but it, you know, it could yeah, be better. But. Terrible enough that we might get a party in that's going to be very destructive. Well, I mean, it, they've kind of shown and that non-responsive to real problems that we need to actually. Well, be paying and this was to. this is foretold by, surprisingly enough, Jason Kenney, who basically said he was trying to prevent the lunatics from taking over. Yes, and they did. <laughs> So uh, he was unsuccessful. He kind of set this up, but uh, this yeah, is and like, then he kind of whiffed the ball. Yeah, this is kind of like you, yeah. you know, you play with fire. You make well, it you dance with the devil. You know, you're gonna get a hoof mark on your toes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, so my prediction is, I think right. she might get the popular vote. I do actually think oh. she's she's more popular. Po oh, uh, Rachel, you mean Rachel Notley? Yeah. I do think that she will carry a lot of the ridings in the urban centers. Right. Um, I do. We'll see. You know, I mean, I'm 
that's a flip of a coin. You know? It is a flip Could of a be. coin because there really are only the two parties. Yep. So, um, so a lot of people are and, just died in the world. The real question is like, part of it is, I mean, the NDP in Alberta has this reputation of appearing to be more progressive than they are. They're fairly centrist. And, uh, um, oh, for sure. And, Absolutely. uh, and the UCP appears to be centrist, but they're nuts. And uh, so I think it's going to be, I think, four years from now, if we survive, um, it's going to be a very different picture. It's going to be more if if what you predict is going to happen, it's not going to be. I would like to be wrong. I would very much. Oh, I hope you are. But I think it's going to be. I mean, there's already people talking about how many doctors. So uh, is uh, what the hell's her name? Leonas. Yeah. Leonas Sack. Saxburg or Saxony or yeah something like that she was just tweeting this morning about you know how many doctors she knows including some what did she say some kind of surgeons people who are generally pretty conservative in their mindset you know uh, are talking about what's the exit plan so then we're going to see mass exodus of professionals and <laughs> i got news for and again i'm trying to be remain neutral here i don't know if you was it that they started while you were away they've been pushing this campaign where they are uh trying to uh entice people professionals in other parts of the country to come here lenora right? saxington yes saxinger saxinger yeah. have you heard about this campaign it's yes alberta's calling or whatever right yeah. you know what the uh you know what they're offering no what are they twelve hundred dollars that's it. If you're a doctor in, in Ontario and you come here, we'll, we'll give you twelve hundred bucks. I'm like, and, and they'll include twelve hundred bucks. They'll include the candy wrapper too. <laughs> like even to move, if I, you're a you know a fairly large you know well to do person in, oh, in yeah. Ontario, it's got to be fifteen grand easy to move. You're getting twelve hundred bucks. Step back, <laughs> back up the car, ma. We're moving unbelievable why well, and i just came from portugal and it's quite clear <laughs> that the way you undermine a public health care system right. is kind of what the ucp you is starving doing. you starve it you basically but to what point that's the thing i i just i don't understand is it, it, it unless is, it's pure it's pure ideology late stage pure ideology no, no, but who's behind it it's got to be a capitalist agenda to say there's money to be made yeah, by absolutely. somebody right yeah. and then you use the ideology to drive it but nobody is that stupid wow. i mean at the core of it right well, pres- we can get into a whole debate about capitalism i've been thinking about capitalism a lot um unfettered capitalist with oh it's t- it's terrible okay last point that i want to make yeah because sometimes i'm up in, in the middle of the night worrying about this stuff it seems to me, and I, I haven't done the historical research, and maybe I will. The only, not the only, but it, it does give me some confidence when I think about the number of fascist regimes that have, you know, come onto the scene in history. None of them really have stood the test of time. No, this is true. Right? Yeah. Now, a lot of misery, a lot of violence, like it's not a good time, no. right? But but ultimately, there seems to be something baked in to fascism that doesn't make it sustainable over the long run. So that's my, you know, okay, well, at least there's that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that doesn't bode well for us, but it might bode well for a kid. 
Right. Yeah. Well, my kids, I'm, I'm already giving them the message. Get the hell out. Like plan. UBC is a great school. McGill, TO, you yeah. know, goodbye. Yeah. yeah. But then again, I wasn't born here. Neither was my wife. So, you know, different. Uh... Yeah. It's Although good. I love it to any potential clients out there. I, I do love it. Well, <laughs> and, and yeah, I mean, all my friends are here, so it would be. It would be rough to pick up. It state. would be rough to leave, right? Yeah. And it's a great place. It's got so much potential. So much going for it. Um, underutilized, you know, in, in some respects because, of, again, of ideological inertia. Mm-hmm. Some, But tons of potential. And, you know, who knows? Maybe it'll go sort of south and then people will finally realize, okay, we need to do some different things here, right? Yeah. Yes, we'll see. Well, on that happy note, so this yeah. is our election issue. Um, we're uh, we're providing insight into how people make decisions. That's true. And hopefully, you will go against the trend and actually look at it from a policy perspective right. and make your own decisions. I'm going to yeah. try and drop this one on. Uh, it'll be Monday of the election. Yes. So, uh, we will. We'll see. see it. And on uh, Wednesday, we'll know. On Wednesday, uh-huh. Tuesday, Tuesday, we'll know. No, but we record our next right. episode on that's Wednesday. That's right. That's yeah. right. Um, and um, if we're not already living in BC by then. <laughs> <laughs> so, what media did you consume in the last four weeks? I've been watching an old show on on Prime uh, with Timothy Oliphant, and I am just totally enjoying it. Oh, Justified. Justified. That is a great show. It's a great show set in Kentucky, and uh, it's about ten years old, you mm-hmm. know, but really enjoying it. Uh, I saw Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Oh, is it worth seeing? Oh, man. It is awesome. Okay. I have not yes, seen it yet. No spoilers, but it is really good. Really good. Like, it's probably the best. I mean, the MCU has been struggling a little bit, you know, in Phase 5. I mean, I didn't hate Quantumania, but, you know, it had, it was kind of shout. It wasn't too deep. This one, really good. Yeah, like the character stuff and it's funny. It's no, it's 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 good stuff. Um been reading this book about, you know, science deniers and a new book called STFU, the 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 art of uh, remaining silent in a world that is uh where everybody's talking all the time. Apparently it's a great way to fix your relationship, particularly <laughs> if you're a man. Okay. Yeah, so that's good. Um, yeah, and then bits, bits, bits and bobs watching Enterprise, uh, you know, an episode at a time because I never watched all of it. Yeah. What about you? Well, now, you've been away. So I've been away. You have a, a big backlog of, of stuff to catch up on. Well, and, and I didn't, <laughs> uh, I have to say that I, I watched some stuff, uh, mostly on Netflix. Oh yeah. Uh, what did I watch? How's uh, Netflix in Portugal? Uh, well, I had some tricky, tricky, uh, trickiness of trying to download like that. Anyway, so I wanted, I downloaded onto my iPad to watch yeah. certain things. I wanted to watch Night Agent, but Ooh. when you watch one, it has a restricted content. You have to put a passcode in. Oh, And okay. if you're not connected to the internet, it won't let you watch it, <laughs> even if you've downloaded it. So it's a real problem. Weird. Yeah. Uh, I did watch The Dark Tower, which is a Stephen King thing. Oh, is this it's, the it's one from, with uh, Idris Elba? Yeah. And uh, Matthew McConaughey? Yeah. What did you think? I thought Matthew McConaughey was awful. Yeah. I thought the... He was uh, the dark man. He was, yeah, he was basic. Yeah, he was like a sorcerer of some yeah. sort. And it was kind of 
it was kind of a weird it was a fantasy kind of have you read the books no so i started the series there's like 12 books like oh. this was his magnus opum well i mean he's done so much right but this was like a very complicated story oh, yeah. one of the big criticisms that came out when they made this movie it's like they should have done like a, if they really wanted to do it justice it should have been like a harry potter thing you need to do like nine movies but they did it in one right and it's just like yeah you can't really tell 12 books of all of that convoluted one. narrative into was it a two-hour movie yeah right? so uh, it, it, i don't think it was very well received no it wasn't well received and, and i don't think stephen king was all that happy about it he's like no uh, yeah. So other than, than that, I didn't really watch too much. Um, well, you were living life, living life in 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 Portugal. Well, and the funny thing was that my brother was so my brother joined me in Lisbon, and he ended up watching a bunch of episodes of The Peripheral while we were there. So. Oh yeah. So uh, so it was kind of interesting because cool. that's one of my favorites. Yeah. Did you go for the golden visa? Yes and no. Okay. So uh, I don't need to go for the golden visa because my mother was born in Portugal. Okay. So you could have EU citizenship. So in, in fact, yeah, I, I have. I don't have to. So with the golden visa, I think you still have to could have a certain handy. level of to have a certain level of uh, competency in Portuguese. Oh, uh, do you? Because my mother is was is Portuguese. Yeah, I thought you had to buy property in Portugal. You have to buy property, like, yeah. and it's like two hundred thousand euros worth of property. Right. Um. But so, but. But both my brother and I are applying for Portuguese citizenship. Oh, smart! Um, and uh, it, because because we were there, we were able to sign with the lawyer. We'll have a lawyer act as our agent, who will be easier to good for have you. All that process go um, right it doesn't really provide me any real benefit, but it would provide my son and my wife potentially with also EU citizenship. Right. So uh, if my son ever decides that he wants to work in Europe or travel in Europe or whatever. It's easy. Apparently, the Portuguese passport is like the sixth best in the world because it gives you access to 189 countries without visas or something. Oh, really? Some, something crazy. How like much that. does a Canadian passport give you access to? Uh, not as many. Wow. So uh, there you go. Yeah. So that's the scoop. Anyway, um, that's it for this week. Okay. It's great seeing that's, you again. Yeah, absolutely. Great to be here. And I guess our, our post-election episode will be episode number 100. 100, and we'll mm. videotape it, too. Okay, sounds good. Okay. I'll shave. <laughs> <laughs> your head or your your your, your beard? Everything. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. See you later. See you. Take care. Bye.